Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Hello and welcome to episode number one of 2024 of my podcast, The Break. I'm Father Roderick. I'm a priest and I'm a geek. I love to share with you my passion for storytelling, for TV shows, movies, video games, books, and so much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm so excited to start another year of podcasting for you. As you know, every week I do two podcasts, The Walk and The Break. And in addition to that, every once in a while I will record um, a, a very different type of podcast, which is called The Catholic Insider Last year, when I went to Rome, I recorded a whole series, and I've been bringing that in preview to my patrons. So I've got several tiers for my for my patron community, and so for the people that support me on the ten dollar per month level, I wanted to give them first access to these Rome recordings. It's a lot of fun. It feels like going back in time. This is how I started my podcasting journey, and now what is it? Fifteen years later, I'm back doing the same type of recording, bringing people with me on an adventure to discover this wonderful world that we live in. So um, later on, I'm going to also. Um, publish those episodes in a public form, still working on that. And so uh, to be able to have these three main shows uh, this next year and to be able to to cater to to the different communities that I try to serve, it's, it's a lot of fun. And there are a few more things that I would like to share with you before I start talking about the movies and the, and the, and the books that I'm excited about, because this concerns every one of you. As you know, the beginning of the year for all of us is a, is a moment where you kind of rethink what you're doing and sometimes you have these new plans, new projects. And one of the things that I've been preparing for months now is the rollout of a different approach to, um, to the work that I do, to my mission. You know that as a priest, I work in full-time in the media and I've been doing this for almost as long as I've been ordained a priest. It started way back when, uh, when I was still like the, the main pastor of a parish. And at, in my spare time, I started to build a Star Wars website. This was around the time that the prequels were being filmed and produced. And I started to blog about Star Wars and then making the, the, the links with the, the deeper themes in Star Wars and the religious themes, etc. That was what gave me all of a sudden the awareness that if I use the internet to reach out, all of a sudden my parish would be the entire world and I was able to reach tens of thousands of fellow Star Wars fans all over the world. That was where I learned the power of the internet. And then I went, of course, as you know, to Rome five years after I was ordained. I studied social communications and that widened my horizon even more. I became even more um, convinced that for me, my particular vocation was to use these media, these social media, to to work as a priest, to help people on their journey in life and in faith. And so when I got back from Rome, that's when the whole podcasting revolution started. I started to, to use podcasting and that became my main work for many, many years. And then when online video started to take flight and at the same time I was asked to work in Dutch television that is how I started to expand in in video so with all that I've never had 
a single, you know, cent of the bishops or the Vatican or whoever to finance that work. So I was always paying for the work that I do for you in podcasting, online, YouTube, TikTok. I was financing that through my work in the parish and then later on through my work in television. So the broadcasting job that I had for TV, um, the, the money that I made for that, I put that in a, in a foundation and the foundation was able to finance the work that I do. But I don't have that television job anymore. And so for this next year, I'm uh, or this upcoming year, I was thinking, how can I make this work in the long run? Because I, I know that I have to somehow, I want to continue this. I think it's super important work. Um, but I need to find new streams of income. And the, the biggest, like, struck of lightning that I had last year is, well, why don't I help other people as a coach in, to do what I've done over all these years? I've, I've accumulated so much knowledge, practical knowledge. I've, I've tried out so much stuff. I failed at some stuff. I was very successful in other, in other areas. I can use that knowledge to train, to help, and to coach institutions, dioceses, parishes, or individual people in their efforts to reach out and to be more, better at communicating using social media, using TikTok, YouTube, you name it. I've worked in all these different fields. And so over the past few weeks, I've been starting to, to think that through. What would that mean for the kind of work that I do? How does it relate to the work that I do for you right now recording this podcast? Of course, in this podcast, I'm not going to bother you with like social communications lessons. You're not listening to this show for that. But I do know that at least part of my audience could be interested also in that social media coaching that I'm going to offer. And that would be a business in a certain way. That I really want to do that in a professional way. I am a professional. So it also means that that could create a, a, a new income stream that will allow me to also be there for you and to continue to be there for you for years to come. And so what I hope is that over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to take my time to, to really build this up carefully, step by step. I'm currently reading a lot of books about coaching and also the business side and the marketing side. This is all stuff that, you know, it, it's not my bread and butter. It's never been my bread and butter, but I want to learn. And I'm already um, getting so many ideas from especially studying marketing and copywriting and email marketing. And some of that is also benefiting you right now. I know that a lot of you have joined my Patreon community recently. And I'm not just talking about the people that are supporting me financially through Patreon, but also a lot of you that have signed up for the free Patreon community. So when you go to my Patreon page over at patreon.com slash fatheroderick, you can join the community for free. If you want to support me, you can also pick a tier and then you pay like $2.50 a month or five bucks a month or 10 or more if you're a millionaire, you know, <laughs> sure, everything helps. But um, what, I, what I've learned from studying these, you know, this kind of more like marketing related uh, type of, of communication, um, the, the best idea that I got was you need to reach out to people almost on a daily basis, just but not like selling something, but entertaining them, telling them a story, um, giving them a bit of value. And then, of course, 
I also want to pitch something. And when I communicate about, you know, communication, then of course I, I would like to reach out and help people to, um, to, to learn about communication and maybe ultimately also become a, a coaching client. But for you, as part of my primary audience, because make no mistake, this is my primary mission to do exactly this, to create podcasts and to make videos online about, you know, bridging, building a bridge between the culture of faith and tradition and on the other side, you know, the today's culture, today's storytelling. Um, so in order to... Uh, to do to enhance this primary mission, I also would like to engage with my followers on a daily basis. And so that's what I've been doing. If you have joined my patron community, you've noticed that for the, this first week of the new year, I've been sending you a short story every day. And it's always a story that is very close to the stuff that I talk about here on the podcast. So it's always related to a movie that I just watched. It could be a review. It could be like a thought that I had while playing a video game or reading a book or something like that. And what I try to do is also to keep it within, you know, the, the general, like what most people know of obviously every once in a while I, will, I might talk about something more fringe, um, but if I would just focus on anime, for a lot of you, that would be like, I am not interested in that. So I'm sticking with, the, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Lord of the Rings and that sort of stuff. Um, but what I do is, so I write a short story, and I do this knowing very well that I've never done this before. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I do know that by sitting down every day and, and creating a short story, I'm learning to become a better storytelling. I'm learning how to keep you engaged. I know how to do this with a podcast. I do know how to do it with a homily in church. I also have learned how to do this for TV. But when it comes to writing, that for me is uncharted territory. But I want to learn. And I know that this is going to be extremely powerful in in forging a stronger bond with you. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, well, you know what? I'd like to read these stories every day. And obviously I'm also posting this stuff on, 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 a, on a website and uh, on my social media. But because of these algorithms and not everybody is always, you know, browsing social media, uh, you tend to miss a lot of that content. If you want to get this this short email every day with a short story, you can throw it away if you want. I mean, you don't have to read it every day. But if you want to have that daily contact, um, and I promise I won't, I won't overstay my welcome. I want to make every email really fun to read. It's first and foremost, it's entertainment. Then what I would like, and entertainment plus inspiration, of course. It's, it's more than just entertainment. I also want to communicate something that helps you in your life, but it's, it's for you that I do this. Then take a look at my Patreon page, join that free community, and then from that moment on, you will get those emails. And you can also, if it's too much, you can temporarily halt the emails. You can say, I only want to have these, these types of emails. So no worries. Um, I will not sell your, your email ad address to, to anyone. Uh, it's perfectly safe. But I would really like to, to, to learn to tell these stories. I personally have a lot of fun writing. It, it, for me, it's the best content that I, that I put in that email newsletter. Um, and I want to share it with you. So if you like 
this podcast, you like the stuff that I talk about here, and you would like to have that daily story that I write for you, then then sign up for my Patreon community. Um, it doesn't cost you anything, and I would love to have that daily contact. And of course, I welcome your feedback. I'd love to hear what you think of it. And then over time, we will start to develop a, a new website because you know this is still on Patreon. Um, but ultimately, you know, in the end, I want to move this to. A, a website that I fully own where I can even be more specific in bringing you exactly the type of content that you need and that you want to receive. But for now, Patreon does a pretty good job. So take a look. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. All right, it's time to talk about Star Wars. And there was some very exciting Star Wars news at the beginning of this new year. And it came from none other than Charmin Obald Chinoy. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. And you may wonder, like, say that again? Charmin who? Well, she is a lauded um, producer, director, movie maker... Um, documentary maker and she has been picked by Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm to helm the new Star Wars movie that will continue the story of Rey Rey Skywalker as we can now call her I'd rather call her Rey Skywalker than Rey Palpatine but her story is going to continue and I I'm over the moon about that because I felt that the, her story deserves that. And there is so much that the sequel movie set up that I, f- I think is, is perfect material for, for future Star Wars stories. Um, and that's exactly what Charmin or, or, or Bait, uh Chinois is going to give us. So she's going to be directing this movie that will show us how Rey what is it, 15 years after the, the final events in, in um, The Rise of Skywalker, how she is trying to use what she has learned from Luke Skywalker, uh, what she has gathered from the books that he gave her, you know, these old ancient books containing all the, the, the knowledge of the tradition of the Jedi, to build up a new Jedi Academy, to form a new generation of Jedi. That whole concept to me is so incredibly cool. And then, of course, to get a story, it needs to have tension. There needs to be problems. It will be hard to build that new academy because the world, of course, obviously has changed. The universe, the galaxy is not the same anymore. And we know that um, when, when the world changes, what worked in the past for Jedi may not work for future Jedi because... You know, there's a new generation. The, the situation is different. New problems in the world. And this is why I'm so excited that they picked Charmine Orbeit Chinois. I really hope I pronounced this well um, as the director. Because if you look at the kind of work that she's done, of course, she, she has been the director of the first Miss Marvel movie, which I thought was, was decent. Um, it, it wasn't my favorite Marvel movie, but I liked it quite a bit. But what I am much more impressed about uh, it with is her work in documentary making. So she, um, she's born and raised in Pakistan. And she was actually, even though she's from a Muslim family and from a Muslim tradition, she went to a Catholic school. So she has had, a, especially in her uh, childhood, in teenage years, she was formed at a Catholic institution. 
And then she started her work in mostly in reporting about wars, about injustice, about the very difficult situation in which women in her country and in that area of the world um, had to deal with oppression, with you know, being deprived of education, um, but also the abuse that women suffer in, uh, in, during wars, during you know, all, all, all these, these tense situations that the world has today. And her work as a documentary maker was to show the plight of these women and also their strength. So years and years ago, when she was interviewed about one of her documentaries, she, she said, you know what? I made this documentary or I made this movie because I want men to feel uncomfortable when they watch this. Now, this past week, she was asked in an interview, totally unrelated to that work, what she thought about, you know, this upcoming Star Wars movie that she's going to direct. And then she said, among other things in that interview, you know what, it is 2024. I think it's about time that we had a woman come forward to shape a story in the galaxy far, far away. She said a lot of other things as well, how excited she was, how much the world needs hero stories, etc. But the, the, a part of the very toxic, politicized Star Wars community, I, I hesitate calling it the fandom because I wonder if these people are really fans or if they just want to constantly use Star Wars as an excuse to rant about the things they find important. But there was a whole um, there was a whole kerfuffle on the internet about that particular quote when people immediately, and I saw this also in reactions to my posts on social media, like, oh, you see, this is Disney again. It's all about, it's going to be feminist. It's all going to be super politicized. And they basically just projected this entire culture war that I think is, is, is causing so much, so it's at the root of so much negativity and is, is also, I don't know, just creating so much discord, I think, nowadays, especially online. They projected all that on that one quote. And then they found that old interview and they said, she, see, exactly, this, this particular director is, she wants that, that man will hate Star Wars. So it's, it's terrible and Kathleen Kennedy should be fired. You know what, the whole thing that they've been doing for years now. When I read that, I was like, oh, here we go again. Let's go back to that interview that they're quoting, and let's see the whole quote in context. When you see what she actually was talking about was that she, in her documentaries, in her movies, she was trying to show the world what men are doing to women to... I can't even mention it here on the show. I want the show to be family-friendly, but you know what happens to women in, in, during wars, in, in uh, some Arab countries, in, in parts of Africa. You know how much women still have to fight to be, to even to, to receive education, to be respected, to not be mistreated and, and, and oppressed. That is what she was talking about. And the men that she won to feel to have feeling to be uncomfortable with her work were the men that were abusing women that's what she was talking about and i'm thinking you know what that is something that could i think make star wars 
this upcoming Star Wars movie actually very relevant. I want Star Wars to talk about how people can find their strength, how we need to respect one another. Isn't Star Wars all about that? It's this empire that is abusing people that is, let's be honest, very much a male-dominated uh, uh, force in the, in the Star Wars galaxy. And even the, the few women that make a, a, a career in the empire they basically are forced to behave like men. Look at the characters in Andor, you know, these few female imperial officers, they are basically, they, they can't really be women in a certain way. They have to be even more ruthless than, than their male competitors. And so I think there's a lot of material there that could function also as a mirror for us. You know, how do we treat women and have, do we really see this 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 charism that women have? But there's also, obviously, there is a part of our population that doesn't want to hear about that. They are allergic to anything that even comes close to topics like this. Whereas I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? <laughs> if you look at the, the, the world's population, it's 50-50. <laughs> and so shouldn't our movies, shouldn't our stories reflect this? And isn't it time in that respect i totally agree with charmine that it is time for women to come forward now of course there have been female directors especially for the tv series and they did a fantastic job look at obi-wan kenobi that entire miniseries was was directed by a, a woman but a lot of a lot of the writing is done still by man and so I think what she means is well you know I want to tell a really you know female story here and, and why would that be a problem for Star Wars? Why would that not work? Why would that immediately re result in the end of, of Star Wars? I, I just don't believe it. Actually, I'm welcoming this. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm intrigued. And when you read the entire interview that she gave, you see that she has a passion for Star Wars. She loves Star Wars. I'm thinking, you know, what can go wrong? Why don't people give her the benefit of the doubt? That, that's the minimum thing that you can do. Why don't you just wait and see before you immediately start um, a cult another culture war, as if the world doesn't have enough of these culture wars anymore. Anyway, I had to get this off my chest and to, to communicate with to you that I, as a longtime Star Wars fan, I'm super excited about what I read about this new movie. And I am very curious to see where she's going to take the story. And I hope this actually joins what I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago. The, I think for, for Star Wars to continue to be successful, it has to change with the times. It has to change in the way with the changes that we see in our culture. And I would love it if Star Wars would welcome new writers, new people from different areas of the creative sphere, and not just always rely on Dave Filoni. Because then you can get myopic at one point. It, it, Star Wars can become like, oh, it's always the same. It's a little bit the problem of, of the Marvel Universe, the MCU. It's, it's like the same type of story over and over and over again. I think Star Wars, at, at when it started, was revolutionary. George Lucas was a very creative writer who went against a lot of the conventions. I think that Star Wars thrives when you have that unexpected, like, 
creative tension, like what's going to happen next? And uh, this is why I love The Last Jedi. It was so different from what everybody expected. And a lot of people were upset about that. And I was like, no, I love this. Like, please continue to surprise me. That is what keeps me engaged as a Star Wars fan. Enough about this. Let's move on to also to outer space, but in a different direction. Let's go where no man has gone before. Space. The final frontier. Yeah, we need to talk about Star Trek as well. That's my other passion. I've been a long time, a lifelong Star Wars fan, but I've also been a lifelong Trekkie. And this goes back to the time that I was a little toddler and I was staying with my, my grandparents in the south of the country and we were able to watch the original Star Trek on German television in black and white. And I only have like vague memories of watching that on TV, but I'd never seen something like that. This was long before Star Wars, but it had a spaceship, it had aliens. I'd never seen something like that. And probably we, we, shouldn't, be, we shouldn't have been watching that stuff because we were way too young. But ever since uh, those, those early days of my childhood, I've been a Star Trek fan. And I love that we're currently, again, in a golden age of Star Trek production. I love what they did with uh, Lower Decks, with uh, Strange New Worlds, um, even with the movies to a certain extent. I, I really enjoyed every single bit of it. And there is this one television show that actually was the first new TV show that heralded this revival of the Star Trek franchise, and that was Star Trek Discovery. I, I really enjoyed that first season. Um, and then, bit by bit, over time, I started to feel a little bit more uncomfortable with the where this series was going because I felt that, you know, <laughs> what I just said about Star Wars, you know, and the, uh, the whole political aspects of Star Wars, that has also always been part of Star Trek, even more so, perhaps, than Star Wars. But I felt like the, the um, storytelling started to suffer under the weight of all the kind of virtue signaling. It's like, okay, we need to talk about this because it's like uh, we need to put this on the, on the agenda. And, and, and I, I felt that it was done in, in, a, in, a, in a very forced way where it got in the way, I think, of good storytelling. And anyway, th that's just my personal opinion. Um, but... Uh, I wasn't surprised that actually Star Trek Discovery started to have declining viewership. And then ultimately when the whole reshuffle of uh, the, the, the franchise started to happen and you got all these mergers for the online streaming stuff and, and, and Star Trek started to splinter into various series and one series yet to go to Amazon Prime and the other one was on Netflix and some stuff is on what is it, Sky Showtime over here in Europe and Paramount Plus, and it's now all over the place. There's not one single destination like we have for Star Wars and Marvel. Um, Star Trek is, is everywhere and nowhere. Uh, Discovery got lost in the shuffle. It's like currently right now here in the Netherlands, there is no legal way to watch Star Trek Discovery, at least in my country. It's not available on any of the streaming platforms, not even on <clears throat> the platform where Par Paramount is one of the stakeholders, Sky Showtime. It's not there. We do have Lower Decks, but it's not on Sky Showtime. It's on, on, on Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. And so I've not been able to catch up with the, what is it, season four, I think, of Star Trek Discovery. I've watched the first three seasons, and even though I have my... <clears throat> 
my criticism of Star Trek Discovery, I did really like the crew. I, I, I think the team um, is it just works. The chemistry works. I like all the characters. Um, and so I really want to see how, where this story is going. And uh, especially now that we know that this upcoming season is going to be the last season, so season five that starts in April, I hope that at that time it will be it will have a new home here in Europe because I want to to see the end I want to see how they wrap up the story and um and, and I, I think it's good that they stop now I think five seasons is actually quite a decent run it's kind of similar to what they did with Enterprise where also they decided to end the series that final season was the weakest of the bunch in my opinion um I think that for Discovery they're going to be doing a better job because the writing is is a lot better than than it was for enterprise uh, especially when it comes to that fourth season uh, the budget is a lot larger of course it looks the show looks amazing um but i want to have a good send-off of these characters and also for the benefit of the actors and everybody who was, has been involved in star trek discovery has been passionate about that project i want that creativity to be to be validated and so as a star trek fan i hope that we get to see this and if not we'll just have to wait for these series to to come to dvd or blu-ray or well dvd probably not but definitely blu-ray um and this is something i want to talk about also in the next section which is about fantasy and about about 4k 4k movies the most beloved fantasy story of all time it is the tale of a small hobbit and the great wizard who appeared to him one day. All right, dude, check it out. Go like that way, and then up this one mountain, and then kill all the hippies you come across. No, no, I'm searching for a dragon's treasure. I'm the wizard, you're the dwarf, and you will respect my authority. I am no dwarf. So for some reason, I always associate this time of year, so around Christmas, New Year's Eve, and the first weeks of January, I always associate that with The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. And what I, when I do a rewatch of those movies, I usually do it around this time. I hope to do it between Christmas and New Year, but it got a little bit busy, so I, I just didn't find a time. But then, just the other day, I saw, um, uh, I got a notification that the 4K remasters of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, both the theatrical release and the extended versions, and the Hobbit trilogy were heavily discounted on Amazon and also on a Dutch uh, uh, a commerce website. So basically Amazon matched the price. Um, so, and I was on the fence. I was like, okay, I already own this this movie now or this these two trilogies on well i do have the the dvds the special edition dvds for the original lord of the rings i rebought the whole thing when it came out on blu-ray because of course the quality the image quality was a lot better and it did still have all the special the extras which is one of the reasons that i hold on to those discs because that's not what you get on the streaming platforms you can see the movie but it doesn't come with the director's commentary and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. That, for me, is just as important in enjoying what Peter Jackson did as the movies themselves. And so 
I already owned this on Blu-ray. I also bought the box when it came out, like the the, the, the collection box for the uh, for the Hobbit, and I got the box that also has the 3D version. Unfortunately, they never did a 3D remaster of the Lord of the Rings. Maybe in the future that will happen. Um, but I I knew that I wanted to have the 3D version of the Hobbit because I love that experience in in the theater so much. And so I got the the box and the 3D um, the 3D version is quite bare bones, but it also has the the original Blu-ray version and it looks super crisp and actually quite it still looks very good on my big screen TV. That's not the case for the Blu-ray version of The Lord of the Rings. That particular trilogy looks a bit blurry on a big big screen TV. Um, even though, you know, it, my TV does upscale it to 4K. But it just, it's blurry and it's uneven. You clearly see all the flaws in the, in the special effects. Um, and the one thing that uh, that shows the age of that transfer is uh, the color grading. So but when color grading is the process where you take what has been filmed and then you tweak the colors. So that scenes, for instance, that were filmed under different circumstances, like there may have been more yellow light, or for instance, when they're filming a scene, the hobbits are out there walking outside, and it's been filmed in real life somewhere out there in, in New Zealand. Well, maybe in one scene, there's a bit of an overcast, and so the light becomes kind of bluish. And then they film another part of that scene a bit later during the day when the sun is already starting to go down. The more the sun sets, the, the more yellow the color becomes, right? So even though later on you want to have these scenes together in one dialogue, for instance, you can tell that they were filmed at different times of the day. And so what you do in color grading is you tweak the color so that it looks more or less the same. The problem was, at the time, that this was a chemical process. They didn't have access to digital color grading because computers couldn't handle that kind of data. And so Peter Jackson, when he had to do the color grading for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he, it was a very laborious manual process. And they had to use a lot of tricks to make all that footage that they shot over the course of, what is it, three years that they'd been filming this trilogy, to make it all match they had to use a lot of tricks that nowadays don't look convincing anymore. And there were scenes that were really, I remember, where, where the, the, the skin color, for instance, was totally off and people had like orange faces. Or, or there was this, especially on the, on the Blu-rays, this, this green hue over everything. And it just looked unappealing, not very good. So what Peter Jackson did when they wanted to bring out the 4K remaster of these two trilogies, he wanted the Lord of the Rings movies to look as good as the Hobbit movies, which, of course, is almost impossible because the, the Hobbit movies were filmed with the latest cameras and super high resolution. You remember the, the high frame rate also that they were experimenting with. And so there's just much more data in that original uh, footage. But he went back, and now that the movie has been uh, digitized in like super high resolution, and they have access to all these color grading tools, he did sit down for weeks and weeks and weeks to work with a professional color grader 
to make sure that that the movies of the Lord of the Rings look the way he intended them to look, but you couldn't do it because of the lack of technology at the time. And so this is the ultimate version of the Lord of the Rings movies. And another thing that Peter Jackson explains is while they were doing the color grading, he noticed that if you look at the footage in 4K, you see all the flaws. And you notice that that there there it's it's a bit wonky, and so they went back and they they cleaned up a lot of the special effects. They didn't refilm it, as far as I know. They didn't like completely redo stuff like George Lucas did with um, the special editions of of the um, the original trilogy. But they did clean up a lot of the flaws that you see in uh, what was shot originally, so that the special effects hold hold up much better. So knowing this. I decided, okay, I need to go for this. This These movies are usually very expensive in 4K. The Blu-ray market is not a very big market because a lot of people think, well, you know what? I can just stream these for free. Why should I buy these the, these physical media? And, and a lot of people don't even have players anymore. But what I just shared with you about, you know, Star Trek Discovery, that is also a problem when it comes to basically anything that I love you are never certain that if you are now able to watch something on a streaming platform, that next year it will still be there. There are a lot of movies that I sold from my old DVD collection thinking, yeah, I can watch it on Netflix. Because back then, when Netflix was, was the only streaming platform, they did have everything. Nowadays, like there are movies disappearing here and there almost every day. And there are a lot of uh, movies that I still had on my to-watch list, and now when I go to Netflix, they've disappeared because the rights have been sold to another streaming platform that I don't have don't have access to. And so I I I realize now that it's really important to at least have physical copies of the movies that are important to me. And so I last year I bought the Back to the Future trilogy in 4K because that that movie trilogy defines my my um, my time in seminary those movies came out when i was studying to become a priest they're very they have been very important to me and still are i wanted to have a physical copy of those movies and then the best quality that is available right now so i got that then i had uh, 4k versions of what else star some of the star wars movies i had them in 4k as well even though i have to say that on disney plus the streaming quality is very good right now. You don't know if in the future this might degrade, just like with Netflix. In the beginning, those, those movies looked a lot better than now because they're they're using much less bandwidth to stream their movies, um, also to economize. This is also one of the issues that I have with streaming The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit because for a stream to be economically viable for the streaming platforms, they need to make sure that they economize as much as possible on the data that they that they transfer. And so uh, these movies has been, have been highly compressed. It says 4K, but there's so much compression happening, that especially when it comes to colors. If you look at a blue sky, for instance, a blue sky has thousands of different of hues, but if there's too much compression, you see the banding. So you see this like, oh, dark blue, less dark, and, and you clearly see the demarcation between the, the hues, which wasn't in the original movie. This is one of the things that you won't have with 4K, with Blu-ray, because there's so much more data available to your, 
to your DVD player so or to your Blu-ray player. So this is why I'm so happy that I finally have those 4K copies. And of course, the, 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 the space, the room there is for data on those discs also benefits the audio. So apparently the mix has also been redone in Dolby Atmos. And I do have one of those sound bars that is able to project the sound in multiple directions and it feels very uh, immersive. So I can't wait to, to do a rewatch of the, both these trilogies and to immerse myself again in this world that I love so much. And with that, it is time to wrap up this episode. Of course, I will record a little bit more for my patrons. Um, they have access to the premium version of The Break also in this new year, um, which means you get uh, twice the content. And the only thing I ask is uh, that, you be, that you join the first tier, which is $250 per month. $250 uh, more or less. And so, you know, divide that by four, four episodes. It's, it's, it's 70, 80 cents per, per podcast episode. And you help me to continue this work. So hopefully some of you might want to join that, that, that lowest tier. And then in return, as a thank you, I give you these longer versions of the show. And it's a lot of fun because there's still a lot that I'm going to share. I'm going to talk about the, my, my reading plans for 2024. I will share a wonderful recipe of pasta con le sarde. It's so good. It's from Sicily. And I will tell you my secret recipe. Um, and we'll talk about uh, some of my plans to upgrade my PC and why I want to do that. All that and more coming up for my patrons. But if you just want to stick with the public show and you're happy with this, thank you so much for the privilege of your time. We'll talk next week. And again, reminder, if you want to get my daily updates, go to my Patreon page and join the community for free. God bless. <laughs>